Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, wanted to see. He called out to Jesus who was on his way to Jerusalem. The crowds told him to keep quiet, but he called out all the louder, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? He replied, let me see. Unlike every other healing story in Mark's gospel, this one names the person who was healed. Over the years, commentators have said this naming suggests that Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was still known within the Christian community at the time of the gospel's writing. Unlike most all the others who crossed Jesus' path seeking his help, Bartimaeus is remembered. The clue for the reason why is in the last sentence in his short story. Quote, immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way, Unquote. In other words, once Jesus caused him to see, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, became one of those who followed him. He followed Jesus on the way. That's how Mark describes the gospel. It's the way. To have faith in Jesus and what he taught was to follow him on the way. And Mark's gospel is largely presented as a journey. As a result, Bartimaeus was written into the story of Jesus' road trip. Biblical interpreters say that physical blindness, as it's portrayed in the gospels, is generally a metaphor for spiritual blindness. And this episode is no exception. This vignette follows three different stories about the disciples inability to understand who Jesus is and what he's about. They're caught bickering about who is the greatest among them and who would get the best goodies at the end of the day. If you've been worshiping with us these last weeks, you'll remember I've spoken about this. Mark places today's story as a punctuation mark on the disciples' ineptness, or we might say their blindness. For although Bartimaeus is physically blind, he has spiritual sight that reveals to him Jesus' true nature. When Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus responds, my teacher, let me see. One clear lesson here is this. A righteous prayer for all of us repeats Bartimaeus's request. Teacher, let me see. See. And you might ask, well, see what? And the answer is the truth. To see what is, what is real and true. Let me see you, Jesus, for who you are. Let me see my life for what it is. When I look in the mirror, let me see the wide angle version of my image and the x ray version too. And let me see my sisters and brothers for who they are and my place in the scheme of things. In another time, in a very different land, under very different circumstances, Stephen, son of Adeline and Melvin, thought he desired to see in this way. And at some point along the road after leaving home, he encountered Jesus who shined a bright light on Stephen's life that burned away part of the cataracts blurring his vision and then invited him to follow the way. 
Having gained a bit of clarity, Stephen set out in fits and starts to do that. He wound up marrying Melissa, daughter of Marshall and Margaret, whose eyes had also begun to be cleared. As time passed, they encountered many others in various states and stages of eye recovery, clearing cataracts and cloudy vision. Years later, it brought them into the company of a whole sanctuary of others who thought they wanted to see in the manner of Bartimaeus. If it seems right, add your own name to the story here. Well, when at their best, this band of travelers realized it was possible to lose sight again by imagining that Jesus wanted for them what they wanted. A problem-free existence, plenty of really, really good stuff, great success, whatever it took, or just plain happiness and good times. If they wandered off the road in this manner, they heard Jesus calling to rejoin him on the way, sharing the road again on his journey to Jerusalem and beyond. And they wondered about this, wondered about the difference between wanting things on their terms and Jesus' desire for them to simply follow his way. Sometimes they wondered if they really wanted to fully see. Did they really want to see their lives without benefit of snazzy filters and fake settings and scenery? Didn't Instagram actually make it all seem better? Did they really want to see themselves as they were? And were a few cataracts all that bad anyway, given all the suffering in the world? Did they really want to see the world as it was? Did they really want to see themselves as they were? And come to think of it, where was Jesus headed anyway? What was up with what went down in Jerusalem at the end of his life? But let's pause here for a minute and consider current conditions. What we see today in our land... Consider the chaos and confusion in our civic culture, a time of aggressive political rancor, the worst I've experienced in my lifetime. You know, the 60s were bad. The Vietnam era, a devastating, catastrophic time. But the public vitriol is worse today. Political language has been stripped of decency and sense of common purpose, having its apotheosis in an insurrection on January 6th in Washington, D.C., Wednesday, this coming, marks the third anniversary of the terrorist attack at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh, where a gunman killed 11 people and wounded six, including several Holocaust survivors, at a morning Shabbat service. Referring to Central American migrant caravans and immigrants, the gunman wrote online that Jews, quote, like to bring invaders in that kill our people. I can't sit by and watch my people get slaughtered. Screw your optics. I'm going in. And at the time, I made note that Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf said that these senseless acts of violence aren't who we are as Americans. And... I remember immediately thinking to myself, I beg to differ, Governor. I think we can't ignore the truth that these senseless acts of violence are in fact part of who we are as Americans today. And as if to underscore this point comes the story out of Texas last week where a school administrator said that books presenting opposing views, opposing views of the Holocaust 
should be included in classroom libraries? What exactly is an opposing view of the Holocaust? That it didn't happen. Which is akin to thinking we should include books offering the opposing view the moon is made of green cheese. Seeing things as they are really does matter. And part of things as they are is ugly. This was true in Jesus' day as well, which provided the context for his loving intervention to set things right, as it were. His life trajectory led him to crucifixion, underscoring the ugliness factor that inspires violence and death. Yet, he was on a relentless quest to open people's eyes to the truth and to the wonderful, hopeful opportunity that lay beyond. To finally and irrevocably assert that the worst thing to happen is never the last thing. That God is relentlessly on the side of life and it's flourishing. Part of our jobs as Christians is to see this full on. Even seeing the strains of ugliness in our own lives, our own tendency for enemy formation, for falling headlong into the inky well of our shadow selves, where power, fear, self-absorption, trump compassion, empathy, and personal integrity. As followers after the way of Jesus, we must keep our wits in the midst of the chaos, our wits, our courage, our clarity, and our dignity, coupled with a compassionate regard for all persons. We need each other to stay clear and focused in these days. That's one important purpose of the church. Honestly, in times like these, the habit of regular worship seems more relevant than ever. The discipline of staying close to what matters most remains crucially important. Judging current conditions, we humans are prone to stew in the darkness of our own blindness, hunkering down ever deeper into narrowly defined tribal wells of fear-based like-mindedness. Followers after the way of Jesus should be willing to confess this and then remember their commitment to love God and neighbor above all things, ordering the days of their lives accordingly, recommitting themselves to God's justice rooted in our common genetics, having been created in God's image, every last one of us, every single one, a beloved child of God. So we continue the journey, discovering that following Jesus produces a way of life, a way of seeing how the world has actually been fashioned. This way of life is consistent with the goal of the journey, reunion with our God. And along the way, we wonderfully discover there is no circumstance we encounter that's beyond the range of God's grace. We learn how to do the more difficult thing in service of love, the courageous thing, the nobler thing. We don't succumb to the dark angels of our lesser selves. This journey rearranges our priorities and attitudes, growing our love larger than our fear. It makes us generous and oddly hopeful despite many adversities. The story is very much in progress, as of yet unfinished. No way of knowing how many stand-ins for Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, may yet join the journey. But judging current conditions, we could 
really use a lot more folks with his request on their lips. My teacher, let me see.